The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. Allons-y. I'm sorry. It's French. Well, let's go. This is the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. On this podcast we travel all of time and space discussing Doctor Who in a completely random order. It's a brilliant idea. It's so simple only you could have thought of it. Oh. I'm the Doctor. These are my new best friends. It's the entire universe on Shuffle with your hosts. Eric Goldbranson. Asad Heshke. And Matthew Kressel. I'm the Doctor, and if there's one thing I can do, it's talk. There's something you better understand about me, because it's important. And one day, your life may depend on it. I am definitely a mad man with a box. Well, now we're getting somewhere. More like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. With me, as always, my friends and co-hosts, Asad Keski, Matthew Kressel. How are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm doing alright. Good. It's uh, good to be back after a lengthy but uh, and unintentional hiatus because it <laughs> uh, took me a long time to get through the book that we read for, for this show. But um, yeah, happy to be back and... Uh, chatting uh, with you guys it's uh seems like it's been a long time yeah. it has it is a dirty word in doctor who so <laughs> yes that's true yeah can't say that shouldn't say that so yeah from time to time that's gonna happen with us especially when we have like longer books like this because it's just uh it's a little bit different of a task than sitting down and watching a 40 you know eight minute right. television program or 50 minute television program it's uh yeah a little little more demanding on or a little more of a time yeah Anyway, well, so how are you guys doing? Anything new with you? At, uh... Um, well, uh, nothing new at the moment. Uh, Convergence in Minneapolis is next month. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Be on I, one I... Doctor Who panel. So. Cool. What's we'll what's the that panel happens. that you're that you're doing? It's uh, Doctor Who and the Division. So okay. I need to cool. figure out uh, what to. Uh, what to discuss about that? I'm I'm moderating it, so cool. to uh, figure out uh, some good questions and stuff. Go back and uh, rewatch Flux like five times now. <laughs> maybe I'll read the Wikipedia summaries or something. <laughs> I'm sure go. there are also some analyses out there about the division that have thought about mm. it a little more deeply than uh, I managed to. So yeah, I'll try to oh, piggyback sh- on other people's. <laughs> yes. Uh, and well, one of those I'm exciting things. I mean, one of the interesting things is that one of the panelists is uh, also is one of the co-hosts in of Verity. So that's uh, that's exciting. Ooh, I no, listen to cool. Verity with some regularity. Yeah, same here. I I actually need to re-add that to my podcast subscriptions. My I just got a new phone, and I've been. Uh, I, I usually listen through Podcast Addict, and when I switched the app over, it like dumped all my podcasts, and oh, I had like. An obscene amount of stuff that I had subscribed to, and now because uh, I had I've already wiped my other phone and sent and traded it in and it's gone, and so now I'm trying to from memory be like, oh, okay, well, what podcasts do I need to listen? So I re- re-add Verity, but yes, I I really enjoy that podcast. Um, dare I say I'm probably a more regular listener of that than I am of Radio Free Scarrow. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I enjoy I enjoy them a lot. So. How have you been doing, Matthew? I'm doing just fine. <laughs> 
Uh, on my side of things, as we were talking about before uh, we started recording on non-Doctor Who news, I've been nominated for another Sidewise Award for 2021's Best Alternate History Short Story. Not quite sure how that happened, uh, given, yeah. that the, given that the story got rejected by anywhere and everywhere that could reject it uh, before it finally found a publisher, <laughs> but uh, in the well. mouth, I suppose. Right, yeah, that's uh, vindication. It's a... Yes, it's sweet. But well, yeah, congratulations. That's yes. that's yeah. excellent news. And uh, in Doctor Who related uh, news, um, hopefully it'll be out by the time you listen to this because I think it'll be due out sometime in early August. I have a story that's going to be speaking of pre Hartnell doctors in uh, Forgotten Lives Two, which is uh, Obverse Books for charity anthology focusing on the Morbius doctors. So I've got a short story that's going to be in that for anybody okay. who's yeah. interested in checking that out. Yeah, and is that um, available for pre-order now, or do you have to wait until I it comes out? I think it's available out, for that... pre-order now. So Forgotten Lives 2, you can find it on Obverse's website okay. if cool. uh, UK Google does not go down again. <laughs> check that out. Well, yeah. I'll have to check that out. I was I'm interested in the the first volume they did of that, so maybe uh, since I'll have to pay shipping from the UK anyway, maybe yeah, I'll go ahead. and I think they did a reprint those. of uh, of the first so. volume, so I don't know if they still have any copies of that available. But I definitely recommend getting it. No, oh, I would okay. I would definitely recommend getting it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially if it's limited in some way and it's not always available. If there's a copy, I'll pick it up All for right. sure. But, Especially since uh, it may end up in the randomizer at some point. That's right, and then yeah, then if you have to pay the the price for an out of print book, and oh, we Lord, run into you're, problems you're there. So, so. But yeah. <laughs> um, anything you guys um have heard Doctor Who news? Anything that uh, I don't know that uh you've been hearing or interested in or anything you've read or watched or what have you guys been up to in the world of doctor who besides the story you just mentioned after that flurry of uh, news that we discussed in our last podcast things have been kind of uh, quiet i guess um mm-hmm. i think there was some thing about um maybe you already saw it that there may be cameos in the 60th by possibly colin baker and sylvester mccoy um that was on the doctor who well, I don't know how official that Doctor website is. Yeah. So I, yeah. I know. I had I had heard something or seen something about that, and I wondered if it was actually kind of speculation because right. both it is uh it is interesting because both uh, Sylvester McCoy and Colin Baker were um I don't know what source I was just reading it. I don't know if it's probably not Doctor Who magazine. But anyway. Uh, we're both talking recently in interviews about the 60th anniversary specials. So it's like, oh, why are they asking questions about that? Somebody th- seems to think this is they're involved <laughs> in some way, and obviously they have, you know, they're not going to be able to tell you even if they wanted to. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that'd certainly be be welcome. I think, I think if they can find a way to get them all involved again, they should certainly do it in some yeah. in some regard. Of course, right. But, huh. Well, I don't know if you I mean just cameos. Obviously, they're not going to be playing doctors, so it's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going to be playing their doctors. So I don't know. It's uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what to think. I mean, Tom Baker's uh, appearance in uh, Day of the Doctor that was uh, nicely put in, but you can't yeah. really do that again. Right. If you try to do that with everybody, it would 
Yeah. <laughs> Unless I guess you're a big finish and you have a yeah. different curator which, or something. Which, to be fair, having heard Stranded <laughs> yeah. 4, where they did that, worked rather well in context. But I think, again, context is, is kind of everything to when you want to pull off that kind of thing, too. Mm. So, But speaking of big mm-hmm. finish, I think um, just this past weekend I was listening to the new uh, unit Brave New World series. So finally, 30-plus years later, we finally got the Brigadier okay. Bambera spinoff. Uh that we should have had ages ago. Uh, and I, right, uh, right, right. My review of it is up now on Warp Factor. It went up this morning from when we were recording, but I can definitely recommend it. It is it is fantastic. That's good. Okay. That's good. Yeah, that's good to hear. I wasn't too impressed by Animals, which I guess was the last time Bambera uh, Yeah, they appeared, snuck her into one of the unit nemesis sets, which I haven't heard. Um, but they okay. got a... I, yeah. No offense to Andrew Cartmel, who who wrote Animal, but I think that Rob Valentine, who's the script editor and wrote the first episode of this set, um, I think they've maybe got a better handle on the idea than than perhaps Cartmel did. Of course, Animal's not really a, a unit story in the traditional sense either. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and so I guess it's kind of, a, and now in retrospect, it was probably a missed opportunity that they didn't uh, use Bambera for... Uh, Planet of the Dead yeah. and uh, I know left. there was talk that they tried to they were going to, they considered yeah. putting her in the Zygon two-parter from series 9 and somebody apparently decided that would be a fanished thing too far or Angela Bruce wasn't available I can't remember which Hopefully the latter yeah. I don't think the former would right. really have been a particular issue <laughs> Yeah I was going to say I can't see Stephen Moffat or you know his tenure there tripping over <laughs> fan service too much so yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. I mean, unless they like decide to stop everything and have a brief conversation about, oh, do you remember Anselin? And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which they probably would not have done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's been interesting that uh, yeah, the last time we 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 spoke, we had so much to talk about. There was so much news coming out about the 60th and and Russell Davies and all the stuff that was going on with David Tennant and Catherine Tate returning and. Um, since then, I've I've seen not much. Lots of speculation type. Mm. You know, what are they going to do with this? And you know, obviously, no one knows yeah. until it comes comes around. So, um, I guess there may be then, also yeah, like, but Russell T Davies also said he wants to, I guess, keep things on the little low key until the finale with Jody, and then he can yeah mm-hmm. yeah move on. So, which I think is fair and respectful of the you know the fact that this the, right. We're still ending the the current era. They've and, they've you know, announced right. what they've had to announce because of location filming and whatnot. So, and I think anything kind of beyond right. that is is yeah, kind right. of speculation. Some of it more unbridled than others, at least from what I've seen on particularly on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I the number one thing I've seen people speculating about is how the regeneration um, cycle or whatever is going to happen with David David Tennant being thrown into the middle of this and how this is going to work. Is he going to be part of the regeneration thing? Is he just going to be playing the tenth Doctor? You know, outside of that, that that gets involved in the story somewhere. Right. Is it going to be an entirely yeah. separate adventure in some way? Um, right. So yeah, lots of speculation, and there's people in all in all all of those camps and many more <laughs> so i mean occam's razor being what it is and this is doctor who it's probably just the 10th doctor and donna and from yeah. their own that's timeline, what so. i've been thinking yeah <laughs> that somewhere in their adventures they end up you know bumping into whatever's going on in the yeah, yeah. I think and, 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 and so anxious to somehow 
invalidate the <laughs> current run yeah. of Doctor Who that things are yeah. making overly complicated. Yeah, I mean, it could theories. even be the the half human tenth <laughs> Doctor from you know the end of series four who. I know there's been there's been speculation about in the odd spinoff story here and there with which feels like an opportunity if somebody was ever going to run and do something with Tennant gradually looking older and older than he did in the late noughties. You know, if you're going to bring him back, that's a place to do it as well. Mm-hmm. I just want to know if I'm going to have yeah, to eat right. one of my hats or not. That's all. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only way you're going to be dining on hat is if literally we uh, see Jody regenerate into yes. David Tennant. I think then, then yeah. unfortunately, yeah. Yes. You know, boil that. I, I was going to say there there off. will be a photo going up on the police box in the junkyard social media of me with one of my hats. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, in, in the case of that happening, I suppose you'll have to. But I don't really think that's going to be. Yeah. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I I do think that we are, and I think Chris Chibnall has said as much, going to see an unconventional regeneration, which probably just means I'm not sure we're going to see Shudi Gatwa at the end of this special. I think that might be something that's down the line. I could be totally wrong. I'm kind of hoping I'm wrong. I mean, there's also been speculation that there's going to be, because I I think it came out of a, a rumor that somebody put online, which ended up in one of the UK tabloids, that there's going to be a kind of a, the, what we've seen with, uh, Tenet and Catherine Tate filming is is going to be its own separate little mini series running alongside the stuff of the anniversary year as well, which also, which, you know, seems unlikely as well, but then again, bringing them back at all seems unlikely. So who knows? Right. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, and you know, I could be totally wrong, but I feel like it's a major event type thing to bring the 10th doctor back to bring Donna Noble back. And to, like, sideline that to, like, a mini-series. Or I've seen people say, well, maybe it's going to be, like, an online thing or something. It's like, no way are they going to do that with it. Like, that's... I don't buy that at all. They're not going to bring back their most... Probably their most popular modern doctor and um, companion combo. Well, I don't know. You could argue yeah. about Rose Tennant. But either way, Tennant's the, the, usually the one. And um, no way they're going to squander that opportunity on a web we- series, you know. So... Well, we've seen pictures. We've we've seen pictures of David Tennant with the new roles. I mean, also the other thing to keep in mind is that this time, ten years ago, when we were in the lead up to the fiftieth, and everybody said, "Well, if they're going to bring McGann back, this is the place to do it." If you had told any of us then that Paul McGann was going to pop up in a seven-minute mini episode, (laughs) and that was going to set the internet on fire, we probably wouldn't have believed that either. So, true. Yeah, that was one of the times, and, and and there were right around the 50th, there were a lot of really pleasant surprises, but that was one of the times that it kind of like blew the back of my head off, like I did oh, yeah. not see that coming. That was yeah. out of left field, and it was a very pleasant surprise, so. Yeah, definitely, the 50th anniversary of the time, and whatever issues I may have had with Stephen Moffat up to that point, I was willing to forgive him all his any missteps he may have made in the past <laughs> yeah that was kind of the big redeemer like <laughs> i mean even even people that despise him will be like well i kind of like the 50th you know <laughs> so it's like you'll get that out of like I, I have a good friend that like just can't just can't anything with the moffat era like doesn't like any of it but really really enjoyed the 50th it's like well okay well i mean i feel still feel like it's got a lot of his style yeah. in it but that's okay we won't right. <laughs> so but yeah, no, it's brilliant, brilliantly done. The whole, the whole thing, the rollout, and all the, the, 
you know, I hope they do a li- have a little bit of that. And I think that's kind of what, what Russell Davies is doing with these extra things that he's putting into it. So, yeah, maybe it is their own little series that leads up to an event that has something to do with the 60th. And maybe we have no idea what the 60th is. And they're using this as a really good distraction. So, um, And they are bringing back uh, Doctor Who Confidential with, with something. Mm-hmm. Doctor Unleashed or something like that. Something like that, yeah. The the um, making of right, um, yeah, series or yeah, mini features, I guess, whatever you want to call them. But <laughs> um, yeah, and, and and I guess the only other thing news wise that I had is that it was it was confirmed that the Centennial special, so Jodie Whittaker's last adventure, will be a ninety minute episode. So looking at feature length episode i still don't think 90 minutes is enough to tie up everything that they need to tie up but yeah you gotta leave some stuff there for big finish to go mess with one day especially since they've already announced uh fugitive doctor and uh sasha dewan month uh master series right fugitive doctor stuff there that's kind of one of those oh, just you know just take my money kind of situations i think that's a, something i'm really interested in it's one of one of the more compelling things that have come mm-hmm. out of the the recent series so. and i guess i was hoping that i would get uh, the new target novels but uh, i guess uh, i ordered them from bookshop so they're not here yet <laughs> oh no <laughs> Um, I guess the U.S. release is in September or something like that. If we actually get them this uh, time, because yeah. that was that was the problem I had with. Speaking so. of Time Lord Victorious uh, earlier, that I pre-ordered both of those books from Amazon, and I sat here I think two or three months after the release date, and they still Amazon still did not have a delivery date, so I, I gave in and bought them from a, somebody in the U.K. Thankfully, didn't pay through the nose for shipping on them, but <laughs> yep. it was annoying to put it mildly. Yeah, I was able to find uh, UK versions of them on, like, I think Book Depository or something and, and get them. But, yeah, same thing. My Amazon pre-orders were just, like, sitting there and sitting there. And then the release date kept moving, and it, I finally canceled them and ordered them uh, another way. I think, Matthew, you yeah. and I were on a, I think, Chicago TARDIS panel the year it was virtual about Time Lord Victorious. I think we were grumbling about that in the midst of all of that happening. So, yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, that was. It, and then it ha- normally it happens. It, it, it's a normal thing for the release dates to be different, especially on the BBC book lines and such. That you know the UK gets them before we do or whatever. But in that situation where there was stuff coming out like constantly and people were actually there's a buzz about it and people were actually talking about the book series, which is you know unless you're in a room at a convention or something full of full of Doctor Who fanatics, you don't usually get a whole lot of talk about the novels. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was um, aggravating that you couldn't be, like, keeping yeah. up with it as it was coming out. Right. Yeah, and I definitely ordered the Blu-rays from Amazon UK when they come out. <laughs> yeah, I, I should. I always put my pre-orders in, and he, the thing is with the Blu-rays, the the UK packaging is so much cooler, and, like, all the, like, the sets are just, if you get right. those, like, first edition sets. Because I think they've now re-released them in, in yeah. less, yeah. more similar yeah. to, like, what we get here in the U.S. Um, the problem is I ordered the first, like, three or four of them before I realized there was a major difference between them. And so they were well sold out of all the others. And, I mean, the they're nose. out there, but now you're going to have to pay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I'm still on the uh, U.S. releases of those, which, you know... 
you know, I, I have them. We, I have them on Blu-ray. That's all. It's, it's a good thing. I, I don't mind supporting it. I, I want to purchase them. I want them to keep coming out here, but they have put no effort into the packaging or having yeah. anything be uniform. That is, or, yeah, that is my one complaint about them. I mean, is, to be but... fair, I also would have, when they started also said, I've got 90% of these on DVD already. Why in the world would I buy them on Blu-ray? And thank you, Chicago right. TARDIS panel, for walking through all the differences in the upgrades. And I was kind of like, dang it, I'm going to have to buy these now. Yeah, and th- that was the panel. Was it a... Uh... Was it was Gary Russell there that I, year? Was he the one? Yeah, I can't was, um, remember. I, I know it was in 2019, but that's about all. I can't yes, remember sir. who was on anyway, the panel. It, yeah, somebody who was involved in um, doing the the special features and the new and the updates and stuff for all these DVDs essentially said like you as not as fans, it's like your duty to buy them. But essentially, like if you want <laughs> these things to exist, you need to per- be purchasing them. And I was like, okay, yeah, I will. <laughs> and so yeah, that same thing. I was probably in the same panel sitting yeah. a few feet away from you and having the same revelation like yeah. fine ironically I'll buy them, that wasn't as, as, as I think that guy same guy commented that that wasn't what got it whatever can seem to convince people it was when they got out the DVD versus blu-ray comparison screen cap comparisons and put them up on the screen and they're like you can notice all the new detail in this and mm-hmm. right here and we're like ooh and he's like we should have just wheeled these out from the beginning <laughs> <laughs> Yep, probably sold an awful lot of uh, got an awful lot of pre-orders yep. for their Blu-ray sets that right. that day. So anyhow, but yeah, so I I, I think that's the extent of um, Doctor Who news that I have for. I, I really didn't have any, honestly, anything big. There's some set pictures that I've you know seen yeah. and whatever from the location filming, but yeah. and it's probably not we, surprising that um, I'm going to mangle his name. The Current uh, composer, Salgon Way, uh, but anyway, but if I but he'll if be I don't have it in front of me, I'm not even gonna attempt it. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the composers. Yes, Which I think so. Bad. But um, I, it kind of opens the door for a question mark of like, are we gonna see Murray Gold return? Right. Is that something that's gonna you know with Russell coming yeah. back? It's kind of like maybe, but. Everyone coming yeah, back. Nothing, so. nothing against <laughs> yeah. Murray Gold, but I, I, I know that uh, from friends who were at Galley that he, when he was there right after he did Series 10, that he kind of said he that was part of the reason why Chibnall had asked him to stay and he decided not to was he felt he was burnt out on it. And that's part of what makes me think he's, he's probably not yeah. going to come back to do it. It's also the reason why we've, much to the consternation of certain soundtrack nerds, uh, and I put myself on that list on the less peeved end of that spectrum, uh, of people very upset that there's still no Series 10 soundtrack release. <laughs> because apparently he confirmed, he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's basically not enough music there for an album release. And people are like, but we want it anyway. <laughs> yeah, give us give us an EP. Yeah. yeah. Sell it cheap. Sell right. it. Charge less for it if there's less music. And now we take a quick break to let you know about some other excellent podcasts that you should check out. Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Mersbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. 
With a popular feature like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, there's a lot of fun to be had. We're available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Police Box in a Junkyard podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitchers, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Police Box in a Junkyard podcast on the Direction Point Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to Police Box in a Junkyard. Are you ready to travel through time with us? Then check out Traveling the Vortex, a Doctor Who podcast. For nearly seven years and more than 500 episodes, we've traveled from one end of the vortex to the other, making different stops with different doctors, reviewing everything from TV stories to audio plays, from books to comics, and more. Sean, Keith, and Glenn take you on a journey through 50-plus years of Doctor Who episodes and spinoff materials. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, so be sure to check us out. And now, we're a proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. You're listening to Police Box and the Junkyard Podcast. Well, we should probably... uh jump into our it's especially it will be especially refreshing because of how warm it's been here and i'm sure down south it's even even more so for you matthew but um we're gonna have a little bit of uh christmas in july and i loved your idea by the way if i can get it get it out in time we'll, but we'll have it uh well it'll be our christmas yeah. in july celebration either way we're uh we have uh read the book doctor who the wintertime paradox by dave rudin um, if I'm saying that correctly, um, originally published on the 15th of October in 2020. So this is one that's actually a fairly new edition, collect Doctor Who holiday collection. And uh, speaking of pre-orders, one that I had uh, actually ordered on pre-order when I was being ambitious and ordering all of the books and stuff that was coming out before they piled up too much and I had to stop doing so. Um, but yeah, so it's a... Um, collection of 12 uh, according to the cover 12 festive tales of tinsel and time lords um holiday themed um tales from all over the doctor who universe uh get you a super quick synopsis of this um from the back of the book did you know davros and the doctor met for three christmases on different planets across time and space have you heard the one about the time the plasmavores came to pay a festive visit or when madame bastra fought a cyborg 
the perfect collection for the bleakest and sometimes brightest time of the year. These are the tales that get you halfway out of the dark. This thrilling anthology presents a fantastic collection of adventures through time and space featured, featuring the best-loved characters and places from the Doctor Who world. So, yeah, it doesn't give you... Basically, that's the, that's the gist of what they're trying to accomplish here. It doesn't give you any detail, real details from the stories themselves. So, it's going to... I was going to ask you guys if you have a preference on how you want to do this. Or should we just kind of climb, like, uh, run through all of these briefly and uh, discuss them? And um, did you? Well, that's how we've done, I think, short it. stories yeah. in the. Well, that's how we've, I guess, done the short story collections in the past, but yeah, we can that's... do it anyway, I guess. Yeah, and then we'll talk about the, the, the book as a whole when we get to the end of it, so. Uh, because there are a lot of stories, I'm just going to kind of like jump right into it and uh, let's jump in and talk about story number one. And that's He's Behind You, featuring the Tenth Doctor and Rose uh, versus the Autons. And, uh, so, what do you guys think of this one? As a theater guy, uh, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. Nicely written. I'd like to. Uh, Things about uh, you know the this uh, the strangely uh, I guess badly remembered elements of Gallifrey that they talk about like the hand of yes. Meg. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I mean I should probably say just from the start that I'm going to be kind of pretty much uh, very enthusiastic about almost everything in here. So. <laughs> yeah, I honestly feel the same way. I think it's the. <laughs> The quality, the the like baseline quality of this collection yeah. was incredible. I would high, agree with so. that as well. Yeah, I, uh, with a little bit of theater yeah. experience as well, going into this one was a was a fun one to do. It, it also knowing a little bit of the British panto tradition as well that I think plays into a lot of this as well. Mm -hmm. Which I think if you don't know what panto is, you're not going to have any idea what's going on, um, and and catch a lot of the end jokes and stuff. Yeah. They. He does try to give you a little like quick rundown of what it is when when um, the Doctor and Rose are well, but Rose is pretty much expressing her dislike of of pantomime, right. and so you get a really brief explanation. But yeah, that that's about all you get. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah. it's fun, and yeah, the the, the theater back the <laughs> the history of the Time Lords as pantomime, uh, I think, is just a great a nice touch. And the fact that the doctor is getting such a kick out of the, you know, kind of inaccuracies in the, yeah, uh, yeah I think it's fun. Um, yeah. And I mean, on, on the other level, there's also like how many of the classic Who doctors were involved with Panto right. <laughs> in between yeah. seasons. <laughs> so. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and um, yeah. I think I like the thing about, uh, I guess, how just... I guess by acting and being a different person that kind of superseded even Auton programming. That was like an, that was a, I don't know, a lovely little thought. Yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting <laughs> so, stuff being done uh, with all of the various returning monsters in that, um, though I'm blanking on the author's name, uses uses in this. And I think that the Autons are kind of, this first story with how he right. does the Autons. And there's that the kind of lovely kind of ambiguous note at the end of the story as well about who might still be an Auton when it's over with. It's, it's just a lovely touch. Yeah. No, I, I think his his use of um, all of the, all, the pretty much the pantheon of, of classic villains show up throughout this collection, 
but he does he does a little bit of something different. It's more than just uh, you know have them show up and do nothing with uh, well have them show up at the same tone as they always are. But um, right. yeah, it's a uh, being this is the first story, it's the one I've it's been the longest since I read. But yeah, I I remember having a lot of fun with it. I I thought it was. It was brief. It was fun. It was funny. It um, it, it wasn't a, too much of a dive into continuity or anything like that. But it's uh, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it a lot. It's uh, I guess since this is set soon read. after the regeneration, so they have a quick also just some sort of talk about Rose seeing a difference between yeah. the ninth Doctor and the tenth Doctor again. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a, she's still kind of learning to trust the 10th doctor and uh, you know come to terms with that yes he really is the same person and yeah so um yeah and then uh so, so we get in between uh, these stories it throughout the book we get little inserts of um i think they're just called like before or after and you'll get like um uh, little inserts with the characters that we'll come to know as uh oh what are they um i think it's sibling same and sibling different Sibling. S- sibling and yeah. different, yep. And uh, they are originally described as girl with golden mask and boy with silver mask in this uh, afterward. But yes, yeah, s- siblings same and different who are kind of the, the big bad that is kind of following the action of everything that's going on, right. you know, through time, timey-wimey throughout the book. And uh, they make their first appearance in the after and it's just they're just kind of sprinkled in much yeah. in the way that like missy is throughout series um nine or series eight sorry yep um and uh yeah you're just kind of given like a little afterward with you know who is this mysterious person and so not after every story so no no and they're it. just uh yep yeah, so story number two is Father of the Daleks, which features the 11th Doctor and Davros, and of course, the Daleks. Um, this is the one that was mentioned in the synopsis, where the Doctor and Davros are having their little Christmas meetings or get-togethers on different planets <laughs> through, throughout time. And uh, I don't, It reminds me a lot of, uh, we, it's, it probably because we just watched it, but the uh, Which is Familiar um, situation a little bit, because some of the conversation that they have kind of covers a little bit of the same ground so i wonder like when this was written in context to that it seems like it should have been far after well after that but uh, it's also probably a little yeah. more analogous to boomtown as well which yeah yep i mean given that da- awesome. given that russell t davies basically uh recycles margot Silvine's little dinner conversation speech from that into davros in, in um journey's end kind of makes sense to some extent right <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I yeah, really so. enjoyed this one again. Um, and it gave us the Eleventh uh, Doctor and Davros, which I think, as they say in the story, yeah. is something that hadn't happened anywhere <laughs> else. So, right. Yeah. Yep. And I think it's cool that he got his uh, chance to <laughs> you know, meet up, square off with Davros, who and in. I guess in many ways it could be seen as the an arch enemy type character. So, right. um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this one. I I need to start actually taking snippets of text out when we do this. I always have this. 
I have this like fantasy. I'm gonna finish the book in plenty of time, and then I'm gonna go back through and like find these things. And it's obviously I'm not managing my time well enough. I need to do it the yeah. first time through. But I did um, try to pick a few things that I liked, and I think one of the places things that I found an interesting little comment here was that like because it's just Davros and the Doctor meeting, and so there's this line about without an assistant to show off for this doctor was different, quieter, less yes. prone to dramatics. <laughs> it was an interesting... <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but but I, uh, I could... Davros probably would bring that out in, in the 11th Doctor as well, because when when challenged, he can become very serious yeah. and grave, uh, you know, right. when, need, when need be. In fact, you often... By the time you get to the end of his arc, you often wonder if his... A lot of his antics are kind of covering for, <laughs> you know, the kind of broken, sad old man that he's become yeah. after Time War and all of the right such. So, um, but again, it's a nice uh, thought about the, the Doctor again trying to see if they can he and Davros can reach some sort of accommodation, and again trying to convince him to change the Daleks into a force for good or at least not such evil yeah. which leads so, to a, yeah. an absolutely cracker of an ending which I won't spoil yes <laughs> yeah <sighs> and yes and I, I won't because especially with books because I think it's more it's probably rarer that a listener has actually read the book but uh yeah so I, I, I won't spoil that as well but yeah the ending's fantastic so Lots, lots of really good uh, stuff throughout this. There's, there's a lot of really good ones. This, but this one, yeah, ending really, it's um, great. So story number three, inflicting Christmas, um, it's with the twelfth Doctor and Bill, um, and they are not faced off against a uh, returning villain. Well, but, but. But are they? Because it's kind of... I feel like it's kind of tied into the uh, um, Twice Upon a Time um, thing a little bit. I, I mean, that could be there's in my a, imagination. There's a, I think some the, shared um, themes there, though I don't think it's... There's a, a direct tie-in between the two. Yeah. My way of thinking about it is it's what it's the 2017 Christmas special if uh, World Enough in Time and The Doctor Falls hadn't happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because there is a lot of similarities between the um, the technology, uh, basically saving yeah. or downloading people and uh, being able to create. Yeah, you know. um, yeah, this one was really, really good as well. I think it's. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think this was kind quite, of working on us, maybe on a smaller scale, certainly compared right. to the or, previous story. E- either of the previous two, yes. you think about the, the kind of the scale that um, Dave Ruddle, I think the author, writes that for you know he's behind you with is kind of grand. I mean, you know, spotlights the size of planets and that kind of thing. And of course, right. Father of the Daleks, you've you've got everything yeah. with Davros and the Daleks and the Eleventh Doctor. And here, it's it's basically uh, this was the bit. I, the th- one of the things I loved about it is it's basically at a convention for techies, which is so much like a Doctor Who convention. Right. It's <laughs> yep. not even yep. funny. Yeah, set at a convention, and, and the, the the general narrative ends up being about you know a. a a son who feels neglected by his mother, who's a workaholic company, you know, to started this tech company. And, um, right. yeah, he's, he, the big, the big bad in it is this, you know, child that just kind of feels neglected and unloved. And, um, 
and and there's some great moments because Bill Bill I think has some great moments of relating to that because of her situation with uh, yeah. you know her mother and and yeah, the yeah. things that yeah so. yeah and they also have it's... a nice talk about how memories and so yeah there's a lot of I like this one place where the twelfth doctor talks about uh, where he says again I think he says uh, normally the my explanation just sound good and any resemblance to what's actually happening is coincidental <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of there's a it, cracking it feels dialogue here. very much <laughs> there are so yeah, yeah, I mean, many I, good I, lines i mean it yeah. as a high compliment when i say this could have been a christmas special i feel like a lot of these and not all of them not all of them are appropriate and I, I don't think he was going for that in every single one but there's a few right. of these that like yeah this one is a christmas special essentially it's wrapped in there's a couple more that we'll get yep. as we yeah. go along that are would have made great uh, yes christmas specials as well but this one was an, an early favorite of mine, but there's, uh, as I got into the book and realized, like, wow, the general quality of these is just so good, it's going to be hard to pick out favorites. Because right. they're also so, there's also a really, really strong um, yeah. amount of variety in the book. Yeah. Like, it yeah. just gives you a lot of different kind of stuff. So, sure. uh, moving on to something that is completely different, as they say, uh, <laughs> the... Uh, for the girl who has everything, which is a story, a, a Doctor Light story featuring uh, mostly Osgood, but also uh, Kate Stewart. It's a story set at Unit with uh, Santarans, but mutated uh, kind of creepy monster Santarans that are because a um, a uh, genetic cloning device comes back to life, but it's not quite doesn't quite have a pure DNA sample to work with, so it's working with whatever it has. And creates these kind of mutant Santarans that uh, kind of crawl up out of the what are they calling it the the, is yes. it the gray archive is that the middle yeah <laughs> they 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 reference all kinds of the, all the different um, archives and what they do and how they're placed and um, yeah Osgood stuck there on uh, it's Christmas, yeah. Christmas Eve is it Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve but Christmas Eve Christmas Eve yeah and uh, yeah. and it's yeah, pretty to... early in her career she's only been yeah. at unit for like a month or something. Yeah, I liked. There's a nice. There's a nice moment of her um, finding the uh, the scarf in this. Uh, right. In this uh, yeah. that we see her wearing later on. But yeah, yeah they so pretty definitively kind of a... say that she's not the daughter of uh, the Osgood who was in uh, the demons, but yeah, a, re- well, a that's, relative. That's been a running gag in the spinoff <laughs> yeah. media. I think. Yeah. It, I don't think anybody just wanted yes. to come right out and say it. So. Um, there, there's been all kinds of fun and contradictory <laughs> things in the spinoff media, which I am convinced because it's so consistent. Uh, that's got to be a running, running gag and note from Cardiff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, referred to, they're referred to yeah. as an old unit family. So that's. Right. Uh, we find out more about her sister as well so. that we got hints of in um, Day of the Doctor as well that she's she's prettier and all this that and the other and it's like there's some animosity between them and I think that the story kind of plays into that as well with some mm. fun with some fun ways. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the they're they're debating via text message like. Uh, what they should get their parents for as a, as a present, and she just kind of wants to throw in on whatever Osgood's already bought because uh, right. she didn't get anything, <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, it, you know, it sets it sets that up nicely, and I think does a lot. This short story does a lot more for, um, you know, some backstory or setting up some of Osgood's um, character traits that whether you want to consider this canon or not, but I figure it's BBC books, it might as well be. Um, yeah, it's uh does does a lot of good 
background setting if you're interested in that sort of thing so um yeah. and it's really yeah, neat so. it gives a lot of like, some more stuff about unit you know it kind of shows how you know, they don't need the doctor necessarily there all the time because they have a lot yeah. of uh, good people working there yeah and uh <laughs> i like the little uh, thing about how the clock that she's made always tells you what time it not what time it is, but what time it needs to be. In. Yes. So it says yeah. run. <laughs> I made the mistake of listening to this story walking around my yeah. neighborhood. And I am convinced that the neighbors must think I'm insane because I just burst out laughing at that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good one. Um, Maybe not my favorite in the book, but it's a nice little, like, monster story. It has some great stuff with, yeah some backstory for Osgood and um and you know Kate Stewart shows up in there they kind of have their first what I feel like is an early first you know conversation I and mean, obviously she knows who Kate is but this is gets her on the radar for real so right. um yeah it's a cool story good uh setup for the things we see later on so um story number five is visiting hours which uh says on this page it features the 11th doctor but he's i don't remember him really playing a large role in this it's uh more featured right, rory it's, it's set when River everybody Song, thinks so. he, that she killed um, him so yeah yeah so she's yeah locked up in um storm cage called storm yeah the storm cage storm, storm cage yeah it's uh my brain i'm rereading the game of thrones uh books right now it's <laughs> storm's end is the only you thing that would come to mind nerd. yeah anyway um <laughs> the <laughs> yeah um but yeah so he's he's going to visit uh his daughter on on christmas and bringing a christmas meal to her in prison and uh yeah they get to have they have a little adventure on the uh uh in the um prison so it's uh in storm cage and we get to you know meet this uh kind of really animated character of henrik shrill who is the um what would you say he's the like superintendent or, or something i don't know and actually he's yeah chief he seems to have a lot of chief power though for yeah, a chief psychiatrist like though yeah he's yeah. basically dr yeah. arkham at i arkham mean maybe Asylum. they just do you <laughs> right. know judicial and penitentiary stuff different in the 52nd oh. century or whatever this is set yeah and he's he's very not bashful about the fact that he just really wants you know access to river song's story and that you know him, him being her doctor and all this stuff is going to make him famous and all of these uh so yeah he's he's willing to do like anything that there to get yeah that the he's, to he's that like the shrink is, from know. the uh, uh silence of the lambs who keeps parading hannibal lecter out and much to <laughs> Much to his, oh, yeah. uh, uh, much to his chagrin before it's over with. Yeah. So they, um, yeah, I, I, that that's kind of all there is to it. It's it, it's what it's a kind of a stage prison riot type right. situation breaks out, and it all kind of comes down to it being Shrill's way of, or Shill Henrik Shill, I think his name is, way of trying to get to River Song, and um, yeah, so. Yeah, it's, it's a neat one. I'm probably not at the top of the list of the stories, but uh, 
Yeah, I, I would say if I had to pick, you know, if this one was not one that would be at the top of my list, but that in no way is saying it's un, you know, yeah. there's anything yeah. wrong with it. Like it's still a fun read. It's, yeah, it's fine. It just and it gives you, I guess, the only like what you get. You know, Rory and uh, yeah. River. Yeah, I mean that was that was my main note day. coming out of it. Is it suddenly <laughs> was actually listening to it was the realization that there are so little River and Rory stories. It's always Rory and Amy, or you know, um, or. Uh, River and Amy, I should say, or you know, River and the or one of the in one of the doctors. It's it suddenly realized I don't think there's a story where it's just the two of them on their own until now. Yeah, and it, that's that's kind of what I it, by the time I got to an end, the end of it, I that's kind of where I was sitting with it. Is I was happy it exists because you actually Rory actually gets to spend some time with right. River because I I think on screen they they do very little together. Like they're in big yeah. scenes together, but there's not a whole lot of anything and you know this is this is his daughter but <laughs> you know so right. so yeah and rory gets to yes. uh, do a lot he's very dynamic so yeah but he doesn't he always to get the really chance to be be the hero yeah, yeah. I mean, we all we all knew he was kind of the hero anyway at times but yeah he's uh gets to be front and center here right. it's, but and then we we get another after little after interlude. I don't remember one from the other necessarily, but at this point there's uh, I think this is only the second the, one. Uh, yeah, we get the uh, the siblings again. So siblings, same and different, show up. And by this point, we realize like, oh, okay, this is something that's going to indeed. This is definitely something that's going to pop back up later on. So. Right. Um, so story number six, uh, we will feed you to the trees featuring the seventh doctor, solo seventh doctor. Um, I really enjoyed this one. It's kind of like a, an oddball horror story in a way. And it's told in first person from the perspective of a native of this, uh, you know, this tribe and they're going, they're going to literally execute the doctor by, by feeding him to their, the trees, the carnivorous trees on their planet. Right. And um, which they've been doing for you know forever, like the you know the amount of cultural memory of the uh, um, the, the the tribal unit. Um, yeah, I don't know. Thoughts on thoughts on this one? And you? No, it's very it's a very it's very enjoyable. Um, yeah, like you said, the perspective is uh, different, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I really hats off to Dave Rudin on some... The writing throughout this book is really, really high, top-notch. But right. um, his ability to get the Seventh Doctor's voice just perfectly into a, another character's perspective story. Like, it's told in the first person from another perspective. But the second the Doctor pops up, like, it is very obviously... You are told in description that it's the Seventh Doctor, but he gets the voice so so well uh, with all of these doctors, all of them i think yeah just like, yeah um like i could just hear you know sylvester mccoy saying a lot of these lines and it's just perfectly done so yeah right. it is it, it's a great title for starters yeah <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah and it is it's a, as you said an oddball horror story the weird thing is is that i kind of slightly cringed going into this anthology because i saw you know it's it's supposed to be young adult right yeah. And the more time I spent with this anthology, the more I questioned that label being attached <laughs> to it, especially by the yeah. time we were done with this story. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it, it, a couple of these are, are fairly frightening. There are some, like, certainly some moments of 
you know, violence or implied violence here and there. And uh, I would say, you know, young adult or not, I think this is... A, I was apprehensive as well when I saw that because I think young adult, you tend to think, oh, it's, you know... It, this is young adult fiction that doesn't, like, pander down or write down to to kids or whatever. It's These right. are just good short stories that happen to be in the wheelhouse or appropriate in nature for kids but yeah. for I mean, young I mean, adults but yeah. it's like like young adult uh, is hunger games and stuff as well uh, which are yeah, pretty violent yeah. and all but this i think is sort of a again just like doctor who is supposed to be it's more sort of family like doctor who is supposed to be family tv these are kind of family yeah appropriate yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> right right and some of these are a little darker than i foresaw Right. You know, going into it, especially being a holiday collection. Usually, those are kind of lighter, right. more heartwarming things, and and <laughs> some of these, this one especially, is certainly not a lighter or heartwarming uh, story. I mean, it's got it's got essentially what you would call a happy ending, but yeah. at the same time, it's yeah, it's. Um, I guess that's. Yeah, it's, I, mean, it's I would cool say that yeah, I think that the ending then makes it like not so dark. I guess. Yeah. And, yeah. And it has a lesbian I mean, the, couple, which is interesting. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and her her wife has been fed to the trees right. in a prior in a prior ritual, which she's accepted because that's what you know that's their, what they do. That's their lot in life or whatever. They get selected. They go and the trees right. eat them. You know. Yeah. So. Um, and like yeah. once and again, it's that the, the doctor gets, I guess, makes somebody question things enough that they sort of start challenging their own. Uh, tradition yeah mm-hmm. which is it's a very seventh doctor uh thing to do as well right yeah yeah he uh he the doctor the, the doctor like they often act as a um catalyst for change in that way like they'll you know be that voice of reason that says oh you know so that's that's your tradition that's the way you've always done things but but why is that you know like like right get people questioning the the status quo and um but yeah it it works really well in the mouth of the seventh doctor here just uh talking sense to like well why you know why is it this way and why does that why does that make sense like what's really going on here and gets her thinking about like well you know, beyond like, well, that's just the way it is, and that's the way we've always done things. And I think that's uh, right. <laughs> I mean, now more than ever, an important thing to be <laughs> thinking about. So, yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, this is a this is a good one. This is um up there at the the top of my list. I'm not even gonna. I'm probably not going to attempt to rank them, but I know it's right. one of the ones that I when I think back on that I I really yeah. enjoy yeah. just because it's 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 very different for a Doctor Who story, but still very much a Doctor Who story. It's uh. Um, the next one is Christmas with the Plasmavores. So, <laughs> um, this one, uh, again, says it says it features the fourth Doctor, but does not actually feature the Doctor <laughs> in any way, really. Oh, um, they're at the very, at the very, right. very end. At the very end, yeah. Yeah. Yep, Ooh. shows up and basically like, ah, I'm here to save the day. Oh, wait, you've already dealt with this. Well, good job. And on, <laughs> you know, Did I do that? Thing, so, yeah. <laughs> and um, for people who are just listening to this, Matthew has a kitten on his shoulder now. Yes. <laughs> he does. We have a yeah fourth guest host here. So. Everybody, everybody, <laughs> meet Pike. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, uh, you're announcing the name, huh? Uh-oh. Well, I'm I'm gonna call him Pike, and uh, somebody else can call him what they want. So, yeah, <laughs> I like I, Pike is a good one. I think yeah. that's uh, yeah. Um, I'm I, he's purring yeah, so, at the moment, so apologies to first off in the editing, and also to potentially to <laughs> listeners as well. Yeah. I can't really hear him, so maybe later when I'm getting looking from the audio that you're recording there, I might be able to. But that's fine. He can have his say yeah. as well. Did, although he probably didn't read the book. So, yeah. so. Well, Also, with the way I'm sitting at the moment, if audio, if uh, listeners would like to have fun, I currently look like I am attempting to perform Richard III on stage. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the theater. So, yes. yeah. Now is the winter of our discontent. So you got a kitten on your shoulder. You've got no right yes. being discontented. <laughs> yeah. He looks. He looks very content. Speaking yes. of contented, he's just like. <laughs> uh. So uh, yeah, Christmas with the Plasmavores is another one of those titles that just kind of you know jumps right out at you because it's very much exactly what it's about. This this strange family shows up at the door of this uh, um, what uh, Kath, is it Kathy and Maurice Sullivan or the yeah. Um, these father and daughter who are, you know, kind of doing their own quiet Christmas. And it, uh, it's, it's told that, um, just earlier in the year that the mother and the wife has passed away and they're kind of just kind of picking up pieces or whatever and, um, get this knock on the door and this weird family claiming to have had car trouble. And, uh, yeah, it turns out they are, uh, actually plasmavores that, um, wish to consume them and become you know them uh become them to kind of blend in in society so, so. not just any kind of Keep plasmavores feeding. french acting plasmavores <laughs> right yeah. henri <laughs> yes. perfectly ordinary i i have to say i did the audiobook of this and listening to sophie aldred's reading of the three of them with their accents is was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I should listen to it. I probably have an audible credit here or there that would be worth doing. I should have probably done it that way in the first place, but I get stubborn, and once I was, like, halfway in, I'm like, oh, I'm doing the book. i got to finish the book. But well, Like um, Maurice and Catherine, are, those should also be French. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So they all sound like French names. So, um, yeah, this was this one was fun. It it was it it was fun, equal parts like fun, but kind of like I don't know. It it started off being kind of dark, like just in general. Like you have this situation where you know this girl has lost her mother, and her, her dad is kind of. It's it seems like you know prior to the mother passing, he was already kind of inept, but. But since then, he's kind of lost, you know, like he just doesn't have it together. And then to to, to throw this situation at them seemed like, a, you know, kind of a little bit cruel at the beginning. But they, they definitely rise to the occasion and, and are bettered by defeating right. the plasmavores. So, yeah. 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 And then, yeah, the, the ending of the doctor showing up is, is fun, too, of <laughs> just, you know basically yeah. like oh yeah you've you've dealt with this good yeah i mean brendan also has fun with it because i mean the plasma force are basically vampires by any other name and he has yeah, and yeah. It, one of the the fun things i had with this one is that there's all the vampire tropes at the beginning of the story with them having to get permission to come into the house and everything else mm-hmm. 
Yep. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's essentially a vampire story. The you know the late night knock on the door, the invite in, the yeah, yeah. It's a Doctor Light story, and uh, yeah, it's a again, it's just one of those that like, and how at the by the end, I guess uh, I forget what our spoiler policy on this is, but like how sort of the family generally (laughs) how the family basically comes back together. Yeah. 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 In, in the face of adversity so I think it yeah so it's really yeah it's a really it's re- it was really good I thought yeah considering that it started in kind of a dark place and that it, it, it is by the end it's very heartwarming like yeah they 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 pull it back together and they they kind of yeah they find each other again a way to support one another and yeah, that's fun, and then you get the you know nice little one-liner from the fourth Doctor, which you can totally see. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, story number eight is a girl called Doubt, which is a Cybermen story, and uh, featuring an, a late appearance again by the fifth Doctor. Um, it's uh, kind of a I, I don't know if this is a stretch or not, but to me this is kind of a zombie story with Cybermen in the place of. You know, it's kind of your Walking Dead type. It's kind you know, of a situation. zombie like, slash military sci-fi uh, yep. story. Yeah, there was there was certain uh, sort of a cross between aliens and, and a zombie movie in some ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely has a um, a military. It's like all of our characters are you know a military unit that are essentially left over from a war that has kind of stagnated or left this planet behind. So they're still kind of fighting on in the face of, you know, the, the Cybermen, um, which they call Steelers, which is kind of a cool. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Especially when they say it's like the double, kind of like a double edged term. since It steals people and they're made of steel, made of steel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so um, this certainly it's like um, yeah, it's got a certain element of horror of the Cybermen, I think, and some elements maybe that's from um, Nightmare in Silver, uh, looking at how Cybermen yeah. maybe approach the world. It's got a logical um, point here that about how like um, where they say that, um, if it takes too much effort to repair a single Cyberman, the Legion simply leaves it behind. Yeah, so, yeah. It's um, a it's another one of the stories from this where I kind of looked at it and went, "Dang, this is dark in places." Oh yeah, no. Yeah, this is... yeah, yeah. This is a, this one is is pitch dark, and I and this one doesn't really have that like. In fact, it it's got kind of the opposite ending. It doesn't like warm up at the end. It's it very much leaves it in a pretty bleak place. So yeah, um, which is funny because uh, the the last story collection. I don't think you were with us on that one, Matthew, but. Uh, was uh the fifth doctor story was like the really dark one in that in that collection as well um i don't remember what it's called anymore but right um yeah so i don't know what it is about putting the fifth doctor in you know where your your downer endings here but well i i I think partly for that is that he's uh, at least of the classic who doctors he's seen as being the really kind of big and upbeat kind of one but you think about you know earth shock warriors of the deep Caves of Androzani, mm-hmm. you know, with all the death and destruction going on in a lot of those stories. So I, I think it's people just enjoy kind of the, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
Juxtaposition. There it is. Juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people enjoy the juxtaposition of putting that doctor into those settings. As Terence Dix described him, his pleasant open face just attracted all sorts of terrible things. Yes. <laughs> I guess. Was it, uh, Matt Smith's doctor has that wonderful line at the beginning of the 11th hour uh, when he refers to Davison's doctor by saying, Oh, great, I've got another face that nobody wants to listen to. <laughs> I will say, I think the ending yeah. is sort of, yeah, I guess you. I think the general thing is is that things will end up a little better, but it's not it's not like the doctor has appeared and solved everything right away. So <laughs> yeah, 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 and it's got if I remember correctly a little bit of shades of um, world enough in time or the Doctor Falls mm-hmm. uh, with with the Bill Cyberman um, situation where I, the our lead character here is uh, not aware of of her nature throughout right. most of the story, and so I'll, I'll leave it at that just to right. you know, kind of avoid direct spoilers. Yeah. But um, that was a, yeah. that so Rudden we, handled that twist really well because I for l- sure. was yeah. listening to it driving to work, and there's just there's a single like a line he does of I can't remember if it's description or dialogue that he does, and I remember just sitting there going, "Say that again." <laughs> yeah, no, and I think I know which yeah. one you mean. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, one scene. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was well done. Like another one that um, might not be at the top of my list, but again, there's there's just nothing that nothing that stinks here. It's like even the ones that aren't you know my favorite, I still enjoyed a lot. So. Right. Yeah. Um, Story number nine is A Perfect Christmas with the Paternoster Gang. Of course, that is Madame Vastra, Jenny, and Strax. And uh, they um, briefly take in an um, orphan girl, uh, Madge O'Sullivan, who um, has, uh, is being, I believe, tracked by a killer cyborg of some sort. and um, Steampunk yeah, killer cyborg. A, yeah, so... The papal mainframe, <laughs> and at the same at the same time, there is some friction going on between Vastra and Jenny about um, putting on the uh, expectations of Jenny's expectations of having the perfect Christmas at, at in their home, and Vastra trying to kind of you know be her avoiding that situation by you know playing detective on this uh, on the streets of London when she should be doing all these Christmas things she's supposed to be doing at home, but yeah. Yeah, this one, uh, this one I enjoyed a lot. Like, they've there's been a, not a ton of like, uh, Paternoster Gang, um, spinoffs material, but there's been some, and this has been one of my favorite pieces of of that so far. Like, I think it really does a good job of, uh, just the like little friction that Jenny and Vastra are going into is so very real. Like the right. like you know relationship stuff like it's and it's it doesn't play heavily like it, it's not like the main thing of the story but it's just so real that it's there and it's something that's on her mind and she's kind of putting a little more you know effort into this this mystery because she's avoiding kind of dealing with some of her home issues and and i don't know it's just really really well well written stuff because it's got layers you know it's um, yeah and it's just yeah and like i said it's a fun read it gets a uh... Strax, as always, gets a lot of uh, fun <laughs> lines. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. No, this Strax is, is a fun. is a character that is certainly there for comic relief that I never get tired of. Like he's yeah. he's just always yeah. That's a... <laughs> but, uh, 
no, it's it's a good one. Good good little mystery going on here too. And then um, I really like that this now in this story directly ties in with the the uh, um, the siblings, the mysterious siblings that we've right. you know seen because it ends up that Madge, the girl that uh, they kind of take in at the beginning, is actually a sibling different. I believe is the yeah. female yeah. one, and yeah, yeah. Um, and. Yeah, and then they were kind of using this situation to try and find the doctor, and they knew these people were, you know, right. associated okay. with the doctor. And yeah, it's yeah, it, there's so, a nice sort of sense that it's a it's a great sort of fun standalone story, but that little after bit just kind of brings the sense that you know there's something else going on throughout this anthology that we're not quite aware of. Right. Yeah, and this is the the first thing you get like oh like the. We're not just seeing. We're not just building up to the big final story with these little interludes, but there's there's strings tied throughout a lot of these. Like not everything, but like yeah. So this one is is highly is tied to that very, very well. And yeah, this one was was a favorite of mine. And um, yeah, I just thought it was uh, a lot of fun and really used these characters well. And um, yeah, had a good little mystery. It, every, the the Paternoster Gang has a, a very kind of like you know. Um, Arthur Conan Doyle feel to it anyway, and uh, yeah, it's just um, yeah, it, it works really well on that. Uh, we have another story number ten, another Doctor Light story, uh, which features Missy, called Missing Habitus Frond, and uh, this one I think might win the award of being the funniest story in the entire in the collection. Uh, at least to me, it was. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I got a kick out of Missy's manipulating this guy. It just was fantastic. Yeah, but. it is. It's another one that I, particularly as it went along and it got to the, I don't, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but it got to the end mm-hmm. and I went, dang, this is dark. But it's it's yeah. sort of that dark <laughs> comedy that really kind of suits Missy as a character, I think, and a lot yeah. of her appearances, both on TV and now at Big Finish, and indeed there's a whole short story collection dedicated to her, so... Right. I mean, I would have. Yeah. Uh, this was probably my least favorite, but that's because I, I guess I just don't enjoy these sort of nasty ones where the. I mean, yeah, it's a dark, dark humor, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. It just felt kind of nasty, and I'm not fond of stories where the villain is the protagonist. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, certainly Missy gets yeah Missy gets front and center take, here. So and, I was. And... <laughs> Uh, yes. Yeah, and she's very much not Missy when she shows back up later in series ten. She's still very much just. Uh, yeah, I mean, this isn't know, the Missy who's and, trying to be and, a, the doctor. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think you you get to, it, throughout this story, you're wondering because you know she drops a couple of lines that you know this is this is post Scarrow, like post um, which is familiar. So she's yeah. been through that. Um, and twelve so yeah, you're is kind off of... with River Song, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and so you're trying to kind of place like, is this is she really trying to help somebody? Is, there, is she trying to starting this redeemer arc? And then finally, you're like, nope, <laughs> she's not. She's just being Missy. Like, uh, yeah, right. yeah. So. And this was another one where uh, having it as an audio book was a bit of a joy because Sophie Aldred doing uh, Michelle Gomez. No, that sounds great. Oh, it it was and once 
I'm a little bit jealous because once I saw that Sophie had read this, I could hear a lot of the, well, I imagine what a lot of these stories might be like, and I was like, ah, I wish I would have listened to it, but <laughs> I, I, I still can and yes, probably will. Yes, still can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to admit, I, I know her as Ace, but I don't know her for much else, and I had not ever heard her read any of the audiobooks or anything. So it was one of those, I kind of, I went, truth be told, as, as we talked about, you know, I went with the audiobook for kind of reasons of convenience. Um, mm-hmm. you know, blessed be audible credits. Um, but getting to hear her as the reader of this was a very, very pleasant surprise, particularly in stories like, like this one. And also, um, we will feed you to the trees. The way that she read it was just, was just wonderful. Yeah. I did think the placement of this story, uh, missing habit is Franz or in, in the book was a little odd because a perfect Christmas and this one back to back, they're both kind of like. Um, historical mysteries uh, in a way. Like, this is obviously a lot darker and, and it's funnier. Um, They're both and... kind of set at, what, late 19th century sort of? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like Victorian era mysteries. Like, And so it was a little... It was interesting that they're placed back-to-back uh, because there are a lot of similarities. Um, but just a... Yeah, we didn't really really say what this one about, but mi- basically Missy's manipulating this uh, totally inept police detective <laughs> for most of the uh, the story, and and he thinks he's you know solving this big murder case of murders that's going on, and she's really just just having a bit of fun with him. Yeah, so right. yeah, you were talking about the dad in, in Christmas with the plasmavores, and the way you talked about him kept making me think of of poor Habitus Frond in this story, because he yeah. <laughs> he is genuinely the most hapless detective I think I have ever come across. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in over his head from the get-go, and then he's way in over his head as he gets yeah, more yeah. and more involved with this. So. But... I, I thought it was I thought it was very funny and yes it's it's pretty mean and and nasty you're right it's uh it's very much a master a master is the protagonist story or Missy <laughs> is the protagonist so yeah she's not being she's not being kind to anybody here yeah but, yeah can't expect good things <laughs> yeah um so story number eleven a day to yourselves um this is uh featuring the ninth Doctor um on a solo um outing which is kind of cool we don't get a lot well now that we're getting the box sets from big finish we we see a lot more of <laughs> yeah that, but we didn't yeah. we didn't get a he lot still, of he those... still gets a companion just not the ones from the tv show right not right. not in the big finish no? ones i mean he gets oh, kind okay. of there in some of them he gets kind of temporary companions hmm. um yeah but for the, the one I, the... for the most part there's nobody that really carries through with the exception of that first set because it's a it's a three-part serial, but gotcha. you know, yeah, it's it's yeah. one of those things. I've I've having listened to all of those sets, I have sat there and went, that character would be perfect, and they they don't do anything with it, which I I think is based on something that Eccleston himself asked for when he uh, came on board at Big Finish. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's weird uh, because for the longest time, of course, we had nothing but the Ninth Doctor and Rose. And right. it's like in in recent times, you know, between Big Finish and was it Charlie Hickson? I think did the story for the, well, what originally was Twelve Doctors, Twelve Stories, is now Thirteen Doctors, Thirteen Stories. Um, his story there, and I think another one of the Big Finish, uh, the Ninth Doctor Chronicles, I think had him solo. There is a lot of solo Ninth Doctor around, probably far more than there is Ninth Doctor and Rose. Funnily enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
guess but that time between uh, when he disappeared and re rematerialized and told her it was a time machine he was pretty yeah. busy <laughs> yeah or or before he ever got to got to rose for that matter so you know the, the ninth doctor yeah. the ninth doctor's timeline is an is an interesting place which is as as he discovers in this story <laughs> yes yeah would you thoughts on on this one would you guys uh to yourselves um i think this was probably my favorite story in uh yeah in the collection so except for the one throwaway mean line about adric that was unnecessary but. <laughs> <laughs> they did yeah i got a kick out of that but yeah it was kind of but yeah this was probably my not favorite necessary but one uh yeah. there's a, it's, it's another one of those i think it may be this one as well um he goes to the convention of was it Mega Stamp Collectors right. or whatever? Yeah, yeah. yeah Stamp Collectors. Yep. And right. um, the way that was described as well kept. I, I have to admit, I got a flashback to some of the Doctor Who conventions I've been. To. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and there especially after all after you know that special. What was it? St super rare stamp that. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, and it's. Uh... Yeah, no, this has a lot of, like, fun um, pokes at, at fan culture. Not, not without being, you know, mean or insulting towards it, but it just kind of, you know, poking fun at some of the eccentricities of, of fans and, and such, you know. People yeah, that right. are really into their, uh, <laughs> what they're into, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked it. It was, it was a, it was a fun one. Yeah, this one could also have been called The Perils of Being a Time Traveler, for that matter trying to remember details i just i definitely remember the stuff about the stamps and the uh the, it's funny there's some of these that i remember like really well and then others that i oh this um, was the one where you know is where he finds that uh all the problems he's trying to solve have been solved <laughs> so. yeah. right everybody oh, yeah, keeps, everybody yeah. keeps <laughs> and his his future selves keep leaving him christmas cards as well which really gets on his nerves which yeah, I, which... I like that a lot. So yeah, I totally remember that, and I'm I'm, I'm getting the beginning of the story. Um, the beginning of the story is throwing me off of the the latter part of it. I wasn't connecting those two as the same story, but yeah. So yeah, yep, yeah. That was a lot of fun. The going through like try. It's like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna solve. I'm here. I am. I'm here to save the day. Kind of thing. Like oh, it's already been handled by you know this. Uh, we get the different descriptions of the doctor. You get like a nice woman in a blue box, and the the right. gentleman with sort of an angry accent, yeah. which I assume is the twelfth doctor, and like it's the one that um, he shows up like... with the cult and the cult who now wear bow ties, right. and yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what I liked about like conceptually that you know the doctor has turned up and he's you know he's left things better. It's not like the thing was necessarily solved by overloading something and everything blowing up. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I described Inflicting Christmas as the 2017 Christmas special if, if Series 10 had gone differently. I think that this could have been the 2005 Christmas special if Christopher Eccleston had stuck around and, mm. you know, and they yeah. had, you know, Billy Piper had left the series or something at that point. This could have been the 2005 Christmas special. <laughs> it's, it's the Ninth Doctor Christmas yeah, episode be... we never got. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's, we definitely, uh, Definitely have that. a few of those. That, well, we said that earlier, I guess, but yeah, a few of these that would that are def like Christmas specials, and that's that's one that works really well. So, um, and then we get the twelfth and the final in my version of the book, 
The Paradox Moon, and this is the 13th Doctor story that all of the um, kind of seeds and stuff that they planted throughout have been adding up to, so the uh, sibling different and sibling the same um, finally uh, are, well, we find out what they've been up to in the Shadow Proclamation um, is, uh, yeah, I forget, she, the doctor, the doctor, I guess she ends up at uh, the Shadow Proclamation trying to find a, a, she gets a call or something from them, thinks that she called them, shows right. up the architect's like, nope, we didn't, like, right. <laughs> um, yes. yeah, and then there's a, finds out that there's a, a planet that shouldn't be there, is it the... The moon, moon the paradox moon. moon. Oh yeah, it's called them. Yeah, it's right there in the title. Um, <laughs> did you read so. the story, Eric? <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah, just getting all all of the stuff wound around in my head. So, um, yeah. So, with thoughts on on this one? This was a. Uh, I think it's probably the longest story. story. Together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, it it pays off well because everything that yeah. the, that he kind all the like little threads and stuff that he put together I think come come up differently and uh, so the the siblings who we we find out are actually a and you got to kind of know I guess I was reading about the book but this is a uh, a group members of the faction paradox which yes. is a, you know so. Right. <laughs> Um, which I I, which... I caught on because when they made their appearance at the end of um, in the after I should say of visiting hours, there's the mention of the ma- of the skull masks, masks and they get called yep. and they get called siblings and I went ooh, mm-hmm. which I, I, which I guess is the f- the first place in anything official BBC that the faction paradox has shown up. So in so. about twenty years, I think the last time they popped up, well maybe fifteen years. I'm trying to remember. I, I know they were in Ancestor Cell, which was the, the eighth Doctor novel where they infamously blew up Gallifrey. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember if they popped up in anything after that because I know Lawrence Miles, who created them, and BBC Books had a infamously had a falling out, mm. which is how we okay. we got the whole myriad of Faction Paradox spinoffs. But yeah, I think this is definitely the first BBC thing in well over a decade, at least since Modern Who okay. came back. That, that they have featured in. Yeah. Although I guess not, it's still kind of indirect, so you can you could call it a yeah, and homage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think I think Dave Dave Rudin even said, I guess, or I think it was him, um, that it's kind of if it is the faction paradox, it's it's kind of a um, other dimension or other kind of alternate version of, of those characters, and um, yeah, no, well, there's been. It's not really tied into like what Obverse Books is doing with them or what you know yeah. some of the other spinoff material. Right. Well, it's also um, they do the whole thing about you know the Time War has rewritten so many timelines that they're from you know how many timelines ago, which also is just a wonderful hand wave explanation for all the myriad of Seventh and Eighth Doctor stuff that no longer matches up with the rest of the canon in in the books or anything else. Right. Yeah. What was interesting was that they seem to imply in this story is that the entire Time War was rewritten as opposed to, I think in Day of the Doctor it's really just the last, whether Gallifrey was actually destroyed or not is what gets rewritten. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah, and, I don't know and, what to and say they've, about that. <laughs> the, the siblings have um, captured an alternate 
There's an alternate TARDIS. <laughs> well, they've been picking, yeah, they've been picking up bits and pieces yeah. Yeah, of, of various alternate TARDISes, which is just... It's one of those ideas I sat there listening to the story and I went, how in the world has nobody ever done this before? Because <laughs> yep. once you hear it, it's just such an obvious thing to have done that you wonder how in the world it, nobody did it before now. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah, they're going to use the TARDIS to rewrite the timeline so that they don't get destroyed by the Doctor, quote-unquote, when when the Doctor blows up Gallifrey or uses the, you know, the the moment uh, to uh, destroy Gallifrey and the, and the Daleks and in the Time War. Uh, these these siblings, the whoever they may be, part of the faction, um, were destroyed by that, so they're... Uh, they're, they're like shades of their former selves or something <laughs> um, working to put themselves back into their timeline or whatever, yeah. Um, something like that. And are using this TARDIS to do so. And, and essentially the Doctor gets in and, and um, does what the Doctor and especially the 13th Doctor does best and actually just kind of talks them down. <laughs> or at least uh, sibling same, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Dif- different. I don't, anyway, I'm getting them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, again, Dave, Dave Roden does an incredible job here with capturing the voice. Jodie Whittaker's, it's written like, I don't know, just some... And I've read a lot of Doctor Who fiction, and some authors do it where there is... It takes no effort whatsoever just to hear the voice, hear that, that Doctor's voice in your head when you're reading the dialogue no effort whatsoever and then there's some you have to really try and remind yourself oh this is you know this is the seventh doctor or whatever you know i have to i have to i have to read it like you know imagine it like sylvester would say it or um he is effortlessly does all of this and this the voice of the 13th doctor in this was um incredibly well done so right yeah um yeah essentially that's uh how how she saves the day, if I remember correctly, is she uh, talks about it like this is not a good idea, you know, rewriting the timelines and I'm sorry this happened to you, you know, but because of this, this, and this, you know, you you just you just do every destroy everything again, <laughs> and uh, you know, think about all the people you're doing the same thing to, and yeah, um, right, yeah, and it's it's a good it's a good story, yeah, and I think it's a good like. It's a nice finale to of the everything. End. Yeah. That, yeah, it's it's a kind of a bigger, longer, um, a little more epic story with, you know, big universe ending, universe shattering consequences in it. And yeah, it's a good, uh, it's kind of like a season finale in which we've got about 12 stories here. Essentially, it, you could view it that way, that it is like kind of the season finale of this book. And yeah, uh, works, works well that way. So and there's lots of little um, fun Easter eggs kind of dropped in there. As well, I mean, it's true. I think the entire book that Rudden clearly knows Doctor Who lore very well, but I yes, think that's something that really well. comes across in this story in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I enjoyed it a lot. Um, again, it's it's just everything in here is really pretty good. Like I don't have I don't have too many complaints about it. So, so. The last Canaries, so, so you said you didn't. Uh... Yeah, so I I did not revisit Canaries. It's not in the hardcover version of the book. Um, I believe I read it in the uh, lead up to Time Lord Victorious, um, yeah. 
Yes, it says it was first published on the BBC website as part of the Time Lord Victorious arc. Yeah. Yeah, so if you guys want to chat about it, it's possible I remember. Once I get some, <laughs> you know, once I hear a little bit about it, I'm sure I, I'll probably come around to remembering what it was. I mean, it's set in like this little museum where there are 12 artifacts of possible futures, alternate yeah, or futures. Alternate, sort of alternate histories so. of stuff, including um, tying in with the story immediately before this uh, that we were just talking about, Paradox Moon. There's a mention at one mm-hmm. point of a painting in that story that pops up in the museum right. uh, here as well. And it's run by this uh, old woman in a, in a small Swiss village, if memory serves. Who uh, keeps getting phone calls from different incarnations of the Doctor? Okay. Yeah. It's a it story sounds... is kind of difficult to judge, I think, because um, it's really, I don't know, a teaser, sort of. Yeah, it, it yeah. ties in with. Well, it ties in with the rest of the anthology as well, because somebody sends her something that we've encountered in one of these. Something else that's been encountered in in one of these stories and then um but it's it's tying into kind of the aftermath of time uh, the, the wider time lord victorious arc so it's mm-hmm. it's it's very it's probably the shortest of these of the 13 stories that we've talked about mm-hmm. um i know in terms of running time at least it was for the audiobook and it's it's probably the one that stands the most alone but all and but apart at the same time if that makes any kind of sense yeah. Yeah, and actually, I. It sounds vaguely familiar, but I I probably read it, you know, two right. years ago once, and like I do remember the phone call bit. Like I'm sure I've read it because I remember <laughs> enough. But yeah, I couldn't tell you any details. But and since um, the only thing of the Time Lord Victorious I've read that's just the comic books that were that tied into it. Um, mm-hmm. So I. So yeah. So I couldn't really appreciate this again it's well written it's um, everything about it is good i just don't know where it leads from and where it leads into <laughs> so yeah yeah I, I, that affects my enjoyment of it <laughs> to be fair that seems to be a lot of people's comments about basically anything connected to time lord victorious if it makes you feel any better it's odd uh, that's the one yeah. problem when you have a big long whatever arc multimedia arc it's like <laughs> yeah so yeah it, it was a really cool idea but it ended up being a little rough yeah, <laughs> following I, all of it yeah. so i think the timing of it the, with their decision you know with a pandemic going on let's keep this going may not have been in retrospect the smartest idea but there's an idea for a panel for chicago tardis we ought to pitch is you know <laughs> time lord time lord victorious the aftermath yeah <laughs> Yeah, there you go. That's not a bad idea for this year. Do a follow-up now that we've uh, read all of the... Well, and I don't even know if I've read all of it, but I read most of the Time Lord Victorious stuff, so... Yeah, so. and I've heard the Big Finish stuff, so it's kind of like, two years ago we did this virtually, let's talk about this in person now. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's decide if this was really such a good idea, so... Yeah. Um. Well, we should probably uh, talk about this book as a as a whole. I think, and before we get around to grading it, and just um, I think our thoughts have been pretty well uh, distributed throughout this. That we all seem to think it was a pretty good read in general, and the stories were high quality. But uh, are there any 
other thoughts you have as a this book as a volume like, i mean i i really love this is like i think one of the best pieces of like doctor who books that i've most of them are pretty bad or get overly <laughs> dark or overly complicated or but um this one was like and short story collections have always been a little dubious i mean i've usually i find i like one or two of them and the yeah. rest of them are you know serviceable at best yeah but here you know yeah. apart from and really my only issue with the missy story is on a conceptual level not uh, not anything to do with the writing or the story itself so mm-hmm. yes yeah, so and uh, what i found interesting in this um, probably i noticed it first time i read it but definitely on the rereading is that maybe one reason i like it so much is because it is very moffatish there's a lot of the dialogue a lot of the descriptions a lot of the lines are just the sort of neat crackling stuff that uh, i think moffat used to churn out um, yeah yeah so yeah I, I really enjoyed this i like like matthew at when i first saw it, it's a young adult novel yeah okay young adult created <laughs> as young adult but um I, I i really loved it yeah i really don't know why why the young adult label is there on the book unless it's just somebody's marketing attempt thinking they'll sell a few more copies if they do it that way uh, because frankly, I think you could take that off of there, and it would be a very good, high-quality collection of Doctor Who short fiction. I mean, it's not just Doctor Who short fiction. I think mm-hmm. that has the problem, the anthologized problem. I think it's, and I say this as somebody who's written more short stories than I care to count the, in more anthologies than I care to count at this point. Anthologies are right. strange beasts by definition because you are bringing so many different pieces of work together in one volume. I think what helps this partially is that all the stories are written by one author. But what's really what really right. surprised me is that, and something I'm envious of as a writer myself, is that Dave Rudden brings a different voice to, if not all of these right. stories, then most of them. Um, right. yeah. You know, whether it's, you know, we talked about the first person narration of, of the Seventh Doctor story, or the way the family is portrayed, or the, I guess, is portrayed in Christmas with the Plasma Wars. You know, it's a very, each one of these are very different pieces of work from one another. Um, yeah. So I think that that was something yeah, that was I... really surprising coming to it. And I think it's something that really suits the book well. In some ways, it's, it's a, even though they're all kind of holiday, Christmas, winter themed, um, it's a wonderful kind of snapshot of, of what our mutual friend Stacy Smith has said before about Doctor Who, that if you don't like it now, give it five minutes and it'll be something else. And that's certainly the case <laughs> with all these. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I was I was blown away by his ability to write a collection of stories like this and make it not seem like like quality wise we we can conceptually say it's the same writer, but like there's so much variety here style wise. Um, you know, just the subject material that he chooses for the different stories and the characters and the the, the things he does with it. It it feels like any. The variety feel, makes it feel like any collection you've read by multiple authors, but it just happens he's written all of these himself. So, um, yeah, hats off to him for not only being you know an incredible writer, but being very versatile in that in that way. Yeah. Um, and I I immediately went and uh, bought his other collection of short stories, Twelve Angels Weeping. <laughs> yeah, I do not have that one, and I think I might do the same because I yeah I. Compared to other short story collections that I've read, I think this is the fourth or fifth um, collection of Doctor Who shorts that I've read. Uh, most of the other ones being older, either from Big Finish or 
Um, yeah, the the one well, we did one for the show, and then yeah, so I've read a few others. Um, this one is really really good quality wise. Like all of these stories are like the 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 par for this is 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 high and it's got it doesn't really it, it's got peaks and valleys i guess but the 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 peaks are very high and the valleys aren't very low so it's uh, like, yeah well, yeah it's 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 a it's a really great collection i think i would recommend it to anyone i think that young adult uh tag might actually scare some people away from it like we were commenting about and i hope that doesn't happen because this is just as good if not better than any doctor who short story oh, yeah, collection sure. i've read yeah. so absolutely um, i would highly recommend it's also not super 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 christmasy if you don't want everything to be we did mention a couple being you know very holiday special-esque but not like like we said not everything is so if you're not you know you don't want to be oversaturated with the holiday cheer or whatever don't worry there's some nice dark pieces here that aren't going to be cheery at all yeah. so it's uh, i mean it's it's not schlockily christmas see but it's no, certainly no. all pretty much all of them have a very sort of positive christmasy outlook yeah yeah or, or, and again i would sort of throw that in as sort of like uh, what most of or maybe all of the moffat christmas specials were like that there was hmm. there's darkness there was violence but at the end of the day the thing was always very positive unless unless it's that yeah. one missy story oh uh, yeah <laughs> I, I may not yeah. I, and really it, i i think i could read this without ever rereading that because Again, it doesn't have any connection. There's nothing to do with the siblings. There's, uh, it's like, uh, right, yeah, yeah. That may be one where you know your feelings about Missy as a character, and indeed, you know, stories with uh, the master is the master said master as protagonist. I think it's, it can kind of kind of color your judgment there. Oh sure, I, I freely admit <laughs> that. <laughs> well. Um... You had to give this thing a grade. I was trying to come up with what the uh, you know best uh, thing to grade this out of is, and the only thing I can come up with is um... carnivorous Christmas trees. Carnivorous Christmas trees. Ooh, ooh, I like it. We'll grade this uh, one out of five. Uh, carnivorous Christmas trees. Where do you think you land on uh, the wintertime paradox? Uh, I'm. I think I'm gonna give this one a five. I was thinking a four point five, but I'm I'm just gonna go with the five for this one. <laughs> what are you, Matthew? I think I'm gonna give it a four. I'm with a four point five. Okay. Um, I think I'm gonna agree with Assad. This is a really, really excellent collection, and I think this is like the the second second in a row we've given something like uh, really high scores like this. But uh, yeah, I think this is a five. I think it's. I, if you are anybody that is uh, that reads Doctor Who fiction, um, thinking about reading Doctor Who fiction, you know, um, go out and get this one. I think this is mm -hmm. one that you yeah. will enjoy. Uh, yeah. I think I might give yeah. this one to a couple of friends. <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it would make it make a good holiday present. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that time of year if you're if you do have friends that celebrate. Yes. So. So, I'm yeah, kind of surprised, so, um, actually. There's not that I may need to look more for uh, David Rudd doesn't seem to have written all that much. But uh, no, it, it, besides to... those two books, uh, at least in Doctor Who, um, Doctor Who World, I there's an other trilogy that was mentioned. Um, he's got. I know he's written some other stuff because I looked him yeah. up on Goodreads um, as I was reading it. 
and he's written he's written quite a bit of non Doctor Who stuff. A ser- yeah, he's got a series called The Knights of the Borrowed Dark, yeah. I believe, is his supposedly his notable yeah other work. But um, I certainly would be interested in. I, I might dip my toe into some of the. I, I really enjoyed his writing here. It was uh, fantastic. So. Um, Twelve Angels Weeping, I think I'll look up, but probably around, you know, I'll get it and maybe check it out around the holidays this year, unless it sporadically comes up on our randomizer, yeah. but, you know. Well, our, our randomizer that, definitely but. has no sense of timing. No, it does not. <laughs> but, well, it, it timed out perfectly for Christmas in July. I didn't... Yes. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's true. Yeah. I lo- Yeah. So... Uh, it almost like we planned it that way. So, <laughs> speaking of the randomizers, now is the, of course, the time of the show where we uh, have to hit the button on the randomizer and see what it is we're going to be uh, checking out for next time. Um, Big red one. Hit that. <laughs> And next time we're going to be looking at the 8th Doctor a Big Finish Adventure Orbis, which is the um, first episode of the third season of the 8th Doctor's Adventures uh, over there at Big Finish. Uh, I believe it's a 8th Doctor Lucy Miller yes. story, which will be like the third one of those we've done on here. So, um, But yeah, so um, hope you will come back and join us for that one. I... Uh, Want to thank you guys as always, Asad, Matthew, for for joining me to chat about this book. And uh, thank you. I, uh, great. Hopefully, we'll get Orbis listened to a li- in a little more timely fashion <laughs> than uh, <laughs> getting through this book. But um, yeah, it was it was a labor of love though, because I it turns out it's a very good book. So yes, I'm glad we did it. So, but uh, yeah, thanks a lot for being here, and uh, thank you everybody for listening. If um, yeah, well, if you have any uh, comments about uh, Wintertime Paradox or anything else that we've discussed in the show, feel free to drop us a line at uh, policeboxpodcast at gmail.com or check us out on our Facebook page or our Twitter handle, uh, policeboxpod. Um, we'd love to uh, hear from you in any way that uh, you care to reach out. So, um, yeah, until next time, um, I'm Eric O'Branson. Matthew Kressel. And uh, I hope everybody has a good evening, or whatever time of day it is where you're listening. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Good night all from here. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. A proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. Join Eric, Asad, and Matthew next time for another random review from the worlds of Doctor Who. Everything ends. As always, sad. Send your feedback to policeboxpodcast at gmail.com and remember if you take the time to write it, we'll take the time to read it. Until next time. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. It's the end that the moment has been prepared for. The Doctor Who theme was composed by Ron Grainer and arranged as Doctor Who retro theme by Neon Frontier. All rights to Doctor Who and its related materials belong to the BBC. Some of there's danger. Some of there's injustice. Somewhere else the tea's getting cold. Come on, Ace. We've got work to do. Direction point. Direction point. A Doctor Who Podcast Network.